Welcome to the Rational National Podcast for Friday, April 19th, 2019. I'm your host, David Dole, and uh, coming up on today's show, I got uh, two YouTube segments for you. The first one will be uh, GOP runs from AOC after inviting her to Kentucky. And the second one is revealed. Beto lied to top Bernie's 24-hour fundraising number. Now, before I get to that, uh, just a couple things I want to touch on. I don't want to speak too long here since I'm uh, it's the end of the week. It's actually a holiday today, Good Friday, and uh, I'm tired. <laughs> but I have to produce uh, at least one video today. Uh, I'm going to see if I can do two, but man, I don't know what it is about this week. I'm just exhausted. But let's uh, go over giant news items, <laughs> of course, at the end of the week. The Mueller report uh, is out. A lot of it's uh, redacted, but a lot of it isn't. And I... I'm going to see if I can do a video on this. This is the kind of story where, because it's covered by everybody, I I struggle with covering these sorts of stories because it's like, what am I really going to offer here that you can't get from anybody else? Um, I don't view myself as like the, uh, you know, the number one news source for anybody. I hope I'm not the number one news source for anybody. So I try to cover things that are getting less coverage. Or something that, you know, I may have a unique opinion on as compared to other people. But when it comes to the, to the Mueller report here, I'm going to be echoing what you're hearing a lot. And that's that there is clearly... A, how do I phrase this? There is clearly a potential here for impeachment with obstruction of justice. So... Look, I'm not going to go over all those details now, but this is the kind of thing where I don't know why anybody jumped to conclusions when uh, Barr first uh, released his his summary of the report. Because, look, you need to know what's in it. I mean, for anybody, this is why I uh, this is also part of the reason I barely covered the Mueller report uh, before it was out, because it wasn't out. So any reporting on it would be would just be reporting on you know, indictments that were going down. But in terms of speculating about Trump and what it said about Trump, I I just didn't see the purpose of it. Wait till the report comes out. It's out now. So we can talk about what we know about what's in it and what's in it, as I said, clearly obstruction of justice. But yeah, I don't want to get into that discussion. I mean, you could talk about, well, you know, is it politically the right thing to do? Will it somehow motivate Trump's base if you move for impeachment? And clearly, you won't be able to convict in the Senate because Democrats don't have the numbers there. So should they hold off on the potential that Trump might win in 2020 and then move for impeachment then? That's also, you know, if you want to talk politics, that may be a good strategy. I don't really have a a formed opinion on that yet. But to me, I mean, if you're president, uh, if if you're not going to impeach Donald Trump, who are you going to impeach? I mean, it's the <laughs> the Mueller report really shouldn't even be the the catalyst. I mean, th- there are so many other uh, things that you can be trying to in, impeach Trump over. So, yeah, I I don't want to get into the whole discussion now, but I mean, if you're going to impeach anybody, this president clearly there is a reason to impeach him. Um. The other piece I want to touch on here quickly that I'm going to try to get into, but just thinking about getting into this is already hurting my brain. Doug Ford and his uh, budget 
So the uh, the Ontario PC government, of course, led by Doug Ford. This is the the basic summary. So this was tweeted out by um, Emile J. Joseph, who was an assistant professor at McMaster University. Here's what he said. So this budget has cuts to education, public health, OHIP, Green Ontario Fund, library funding, Indigenous affairs, drug coverage, police oversight, mental health funding, cancellation of renewable energy projects. Yet the title of the budget is, quote, protecting what matters most, end quote. Yeah, that tells you everything you need to know about this shitty government. And this is the kind of thing that, as I said yesterday, brings me down. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not a typical news person. That's not how I view myself. I really see myself as a, as a sort of a, an educational entertainer, if that makes any sense. I want to bring people uh, politics and news that I find interesting and I, and I find uh, ways to, um, or, I mean, the real purpose is I want to find stories that I can use as a basis to have a larger conversation and inform people about something bigger than just what that news item is. So that if, if you're wondering what shapes a lot of my stories or how I pick my stories, that's what does it. If there is a larger story there and it says something about maybe the, the system as a whole or says something about um, the, uh, the potential outlook on how things are going and where things are going and stories that bring optimism and, and hope to, to this world... That's what I largely try to focus on. Uh, also, I do think it's important to cover certain entertainment items. Like, I mean, the reason I cover The View, I, I've gotten a couple tweets of people saying, why don't you cover less Megan McCain and cover more, I don't know, Mike Gravel or something. <laughs> Which, <laughs> that's a whole other discussion. But the reason I cover uh, Megan McCain and The View is because that brings in new people. And when you bring in new people, you have the potential to expose them to a different perspective that they may have not heard before. So if I cover the view and look, when I've covered Megan McCain, some of those videos get a ton of views, like over a hundred thousand views. And the reason it's not just, it's not because I want the views. It's because I want those people. So if I can grab them with a video about Megan McCain, and then they click on a video about Bernie Sanders, or they click on a video about unions or whatever it is, then that's how you expand this message. That's how you get more people. So that is the purpose of it. It's not... I mean, I just want people to understand that there there is a method behind the madness. That I'm not just, you know, covering Meghan McCain because I get a bunch of views. No, I want to grab those people. And oftentimes in those videos, like for example, at least a few of the videos were about... Megan McCain and her position on Israel, which is just completely absurd. So I break that story down. And now more people that watched that video clip of mine simply to see someone talking about Megan McCain in The View now have a more informed perspective on Israel-Palestine. So that's the kind of thing I try to do with a lot of my videos is grab them with, you know, a, a, a headline that may pique their interest, even if they're not into politics. But then in that video, I break down exactly what uh, how this relates to politics and hopefully inform people on a new perspective. So that's that. 
uh, let's get to the segments now. Again, the first one is GOP runs from AOC after inviting her to Kentucky, followed by Revealed, Beto lied to top Bernie's 24-hour fundraising number. I don't see any upside to bringing Ocasio-Cortez in. I think she's very intelligent. I think a lot of Republicans are making a mistake picking on her. During a heated exchange last month between Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Republicans around the Green New Deal, AOC was invited to Kentucky to speak to coal miners there by uh, Kentucky Republican Congressman Andy Barr. Now, let me show you a, a clip of that. I would invite the gentlelady to come to eastern Kentucky and meet the coal miners uh, who who will tell you what the Green New Deal would be would be would I'd would, like to would, my time. would mean for their families, their paychecks. Well, AOC accepted the invite. So this from GQ saying she'd be happy to go, adding that the Green New Deal was written to fund coal miner pensions. Quote, we want to just transition to make sure we are investing in jobs across those swaths of the country, she said. But now Andy Barr is uh, running scared. So uh, he has now changed the uh, the terms of the uh, the invite, saying that AOC now has to apologize to Dan Crenshaw. So here's what he tweeted out. Today, I delivered the letter below to AOC, calling on her to apologize for her comments to our colleague Dan Crenshaw before she plans her trip to Kentucky to learn how the Green New Deal could impact our commonwealth. Now, I broke this that Crenshaw story down in another video. There is absolutely nothing to apologize for Crenshaw. Anyways, I don't want to get into that story. You can uh, I'll link to it above the video if you want to watch that. But um, there's actually more to this. So <laughs> this is what AOC tweeted out. You know what's interesting? Last month, I invited Andy Barr to come visit us in the Bronx and offer perspective in our MSNBC Climate Town Hall. He said no, because Kentucky had an NCAA game that night. Fair. So I offered to fly him home in time for the game. He still said no. And it's also worth mentioning uh, this bit of information uh, tweeted out by journalist Ryan Grimm. Andy Barr invited AOC to come meet coal miners in his district, mad that the Green New Deal would take away their jobs. She accepted. Turns out there are no active coal miners in Barr's district because it's 2019, not 1919. So now Barr is uninviting AOC. Now, here's the real reason why AOC has been uninvited to Kentucky. So this clip from uh, Republican uh, Congressman James Comer of Kentucky is kind of revealing as he acknowledges that he's afraid of AOC coming to Kentucky. I don't see any upside to bringing Ocasio-Cortez in. I think she's very intelligent. I think a lot of Republicans are making a mistake picking on her. She is smart. And I, I think that we need to uh, be very prepared when we debate her on issues that uh, we're having a hard time with. This is a huge admission from a Republican, from a sitting Republican. I haven't seen anybody else in the party acknowledge that, yeah, AOC is smart and we have to be careful when we invite her to places because she may, in fact, make us look dumb. Now, uh, Corbin Trent, who is AOC's communications director, is uh, from Tennessee and he was on MSNBC to uh, discuss this. And I think this is a really uh, it's a really uh, enlightening conversation. Watch. 
Why do you think the offer was rescinded? I think that they uh, understand that the policies that uh, Alexandria is advocating for are extremely popular, not just in the Bronx, not just in uh, on the coast, but all over the country. And I think they also understand, some of them at least, that she's a fantastic and talented communicator. And that if she goes into uh, their backyard and starts talking about Medicare for all, federal jobs guarantee, and a Green New Deal, that maybe they'll uh, have a problem come 2020. And Andy Barr was saying that, you know, he wants to bring her down to Kentucky and let the coal miners tell her what's going to happen with the Green New Deal and how it's going to hurt their community, how it's going to destroy jobs. But what people in my neck of the woods and in Kentucky know is that their jobs are being destroyed already. Factories are closing, mines are laying people off. You know, we've seen that happen over the last several decades. And what they want to see is a plan for the future. And Republicans don't have one, and they know that the, that the progressives in the Democratic Party, that wing that's uh, at least five people, do have, and that uh, if we go out there and push that narrative out there, they're, I think, afraid that they're not going to have a rebuttal for it. Are you guys going to go down there? I sure hope so. I think so. I think, the, you know, whether it's East Tennessee or Louisiana or Kentucky, I think this is a, a message that people need to hear, that we can do more if we put our minds to it. And if we, You know, I think if people hear that their government's going to get behind them, help them build businesses, help them, you know, rebuild their communities, whether it's Medicare for all, whether it's federal jobs guarantee or a Green New Deal, and actually support the, you know, the opportunity that Americans have to build a better life, I think they'll get excited by that. All right. Final question. How did Corbin Trent from Tennessee end up working for the congresswoman from She's an inspirational person. I think she's drawing us in from all over the place. I mean, it was a it was a long journey that started on the Sanders campaign in 2016 and then went to a brand new Congress, Justice Democrats and then right And there. now here you are. And then here we are. All right. Uh let's first acknowledge how awesome it is that AOC's communications director is from the South. I mean, <laughs> these Republicans and Democrats like Nancy Pelosi clearly underestimate AOC's appeal. So she tweeted this out in response to uh, that video of Corbin Trent appearing on MSNBC. Surprise, I know more about West Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Appalachian communities than they think I do, in no small part because it's a valued perspective to me and for coalition building, so I have it in my staff. I suspect underestimating women is the GOP's kryptonite. Now, this is going to be surprising to a lot of people. Not only the fact that AOC has, you know, someone from or members of her staff represented uh, from those various communities, but also that progressive policy has widespread appeal. So this is something that, you know, the Nancy Pelosi's of the world, but also obviously Republicans haven't appeared to clue, to, uh, clue into yet, except for maybe that one clip I showed you earlier of uh, James Comer from Kentucky, who acknowledges that, yeah, she's smart. And we have to be, we have to understand how to actually respond to her. And they don't have a response because AOC is bringing actual policy with her. So this is something you also saw in the Bernie Town Hall on Fox News. I mean, he went to Fox News. The crowd was, according to Brett Baer there of Fox News, was an amalgamation of America. There was conservatives, there was uh, Democrats, there was liberals, there was progressives. Everybody was represented in that audience, and they were cheering for Bernie the entire time. When Brett Baer asked the audience, would you switch from your private insurance to Medicare for All, everybody that had private insurance also raised their hand for Medicare for All. I mean, what else is there left to say? All that needs to be done now is there needs to be more candidates in these various districts around the country 
that are running on this progressive message. And not only that, but are able to be uh, funded by small uh, by grassroots donors. So that's also the other half of the problem here is a lot of these races, the other side, whether it's the GOP or an establishment Democrat, they are funded by big money donors. And it's a lot harder in these smaller congressional races to be able to have that widespread appeal to be able to raise money from small donors enough to combat those big donor-funded campaigns. But when you have campaigns like AOC's or you have sitting politicians like AOC or Bernie Sanders, and they're able to potentially put a light on various districts, maybe in Tennessee, maybe in West Virginia, maybe in Kentucky, where you actually have progressive candidates funded by small grassroots donors, and they can they can uh, showcase those people and, and campaign with them, there is a huge potential here, not only to flip establishment Democratic districts to progressive districts, but also to flip Republican districts to progressive districts. So do you remember when Beto O'Rourke announced his first day fundraising haul and it shattered records? $6.1 million raised in 24 hours, even more than Bernie's $5.9 million. Wow, how did he do it? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get into that. But first, let's remember how weird that was. Because first of all, he didn't announce the number till several days later, which already was weird. All the other candidates announced the next day or that day how much they had raised in 24 hours. Beto didn't announce till days later. He also didn't release other figures. So at the time, I put this tweet out. Unlike other campaigns, Beto refuses to release the number of donors, the average donation number, or how many people maxed out the contribution limit. He's a manufactured candidate for the wealthy and special interests. Now, at the time, there were people out there saying, oh, David, you're just being crazy. No, he did it. Beto O'Rourke raised $6.1 million, fair and square. You just have to face the fact that he's more popular than Bernie Sanders, <laughs> which is a whole other discussion that I think has already proved to be completely ludicrous. But um, let me get into exactly how Beto did this. So this title from, uh, or this headline from uh, CNN. Bernie Sanders beat Beto O'Rourke in a key fundraising measure. A CNN analysis of newly filed campaign finance reports shows several Democratic candidates raised general election funds, available only if they capture the nomination, alongside the money they can use in the primary battle. Lumping in an extra $300,000 into his first-day haul allowed O'Rourke, for instance, to claim a larger first-day windfall than rival Sanders, who reported raising $5.9 million in the first 24 hours of his presidential bid. But Sanders, who raised only primary money, has more cash available for the fight at hand, the new figures show. O'Rourke's aides did not immediately respond to CNN's request for comment. Oh, they didn't, did they? I wonder why. <laughs> they want to bury this story. They don't want people talking about this, which is exactly why I'm talking about this. This is what politicians do. Beto O'Rourke is just a standard, typical politician. Massages numbers and figures, speaks in very, uh, very vague terms, doesn't really have any real concrete policy, or if he does, well, I mean, maybe we'll work towards that, or maybe... Uh, you know, maybe I'll change my mind on this. This, uh, I mean, Medicare for all sounds good eventually one day. I, in fact, he's not even saying that anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> this <laughs> Ben O'Rourke 
totally manufactured candidate, and it hasn't really worked out for him already. The uh, the media has realized that yeah, Beto's not going to happen. So now let's look at Pete Buttigieg. Oh, Pete Buttigieg. He, I knew it. I knew it the whole time. No, oh, forget O'Rourke. Uh, forget Kamala Harris. Now it's Pete Buttigieg. Who will it be next month? Let's wait and see. <laughs> but this is these are the games these politicians play. And it wasn't just Beto here. Other candidates did the same thing. So Amy Klobuchar, 11% of her 5.2 million, also general election funds. Jay Inslee, 13% of his 2.25 million general election funds. Julian Castro, 12% of his 1.1 million general election funds. Dirty tricks to try and act like you have more money than you actually do. <laughs> 